Welcome to Spotlight On, your Griffith College alumni podcast. We are delighted to welcome Lee Gillen, who studied a BA in Business Studies with Griffith College, graduating in 2019. Today's podcast will shine a spotlight on Lee's academic and career achievements to date. Lee is the Managing Director of Lee Gillen Events Limited, a full-service virtual and physical event management company. With 20 years' experience in the events industry, Lee is committed to helping companies deliver the highest quality events, whether they be online or on-site. Lee has an impressive record when it comes to events supporting KPMG with a new office move, organising the Little Breaking Down Barriers Ball and the Horizon 8 European launch event, to name just a few. Lee is also the interim chair of the Cork Printmakers after serving as a member of the board. Cork Cork Printmakers Fine Art Printmakers Printmaking Studio is an artist resource providing the space facilities and equipment necessary to create artwork through the medium of printmaking. Lee has also served as event manager for Cork Chamber of Commerce for nearly 12 years until 2018. So welcome to the podcast, Lee. Thanks very much, Alex, and for that amazing introduction, even though I know you got all the stuff from me on website. <laughs> <laughs> You're more than welcome. And uh, so let's kick off the podcast. So an impressive CV. Can you start off by telling uh, the audience about the, your, your business, Legal and Events? Yeah, well, Legal and Events is um, a fairly new enterprise. So we established in July of 2018. So it's just over the, the two-year mark, a year and a half if you don't count the COVID months, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, so basically, it's approximately, it's approximately two years old. Um, as you said, I worked for 12 years in Cork Chamber of Commerce. Um, as the event manager, I'm previous to that, I had worked in the Construction Industry Federation and for the Institute of Directors. Uh, both In both instances, had had a level of event management coordination realised it was something I was pretty good at and pretty passionate about. So um, I suppose I spotted a niche there a few years ago with regard to the amount of, oh, can I pick your brains, conversations I used to get and have with chamber members. Lots of phone calls going, how would I do this? How would I approach that? Where would I get the supplier? And realized then that actually there were very few companies in Cork providing this consultancy service. Uh, so decided to kind of take the leap of faith, left my permanent pensionable job, went out and took a massive risk and I have to say every single day I get rewarded by um, the, the, just the sheer enjoyment of running my own company, being my own boss, having the flexibility to make decisions by myself. I've absolutely loved it. So at the moment, of course, we've, we've recently pivoted uh, no more than a lot of other companies. Instead of running physical events for 300 and 500,000 people, we're now running uh, virtual events and helping people, I suppose, navigate the murky waters of virtual events for now. Uh, also helping with online moderation. We do um, hybrid and physical events, and we also do event management webinars uh, for organizations that might like to do induction training uh, for new employees. So that's kind of us in a nutshell. Fabulous. And uh, I suppose we'll, we'll probably work down to, to the current uh, you know, way the business is operating in a few questions time. So if we, if we start kind of, um, you know, I had a look at your website, a very impressive website, and, and there's a, a large and impressive list of testimonials on your website from, from huge multinational companies, you know, KPMG, um, Irish Examiner, etc. You've delivered a high-profile events in what seems to be, you know, a short amount of time since launching the, launching the company. What's the kind of secret to success there? Were these contacts that you had, or, or you know, how did you manage to, to grow to such big events so quickly? Yeah, um, I don't know if it's much of a secret, but I suppose what I, I what I would put it down to is, um, and I suppose this this may be good advice as well for for budding for budding students and alumni, is like 
if you could, if you do your work and you, I suppose, you, you act with integrity and you are, I suppose, a committed and dedicated individual, people see that. I noticed that when I'm involved in business. People have noticed that over the 12 years I worked with Court Chamber that I was passionate about events that I loved doing and that I was good at them and I was able to help and very happy and willing to help. So over the years, I built you know, really good relationships with a very large network, particularly here in Cork, obviously. I mean, you say multinationals and large companies, that's absolutely true. But behind all of those, there are individuals and there are people. And never, ever um, think that you're not, that people aren't noticing you, that if you're doing a good job and you're doing what you love, people notice it. And I think it, it, you know, it comes back, I would hope, in a karmic way and um, to kind of help you then whenever you need support, whenever you need that kind of those kind of, you know, that, that level of commitment and you wanted it returned um, by the business community. And of course, it's incorporated that huge support. Perfect. And, uh, you know, great answer there. So I guess um, every events management company is slightly different and, and there are a number of them out there. Is there anything that you would say you, you specialized in? I, I you know, used the past tense as things have probably changed uh, since sort of March time. So was there a, spe- uh, you, you know, a specialism that you came into this with or an angle that you came into this with? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that, that there's, there's no, nothing crazy that I don't do that various other organizations do. But I suppose it's, it's for me, it's coming from a business background. And it's even with my studies, and I'm sure we covered that in a while, but I mean, in terms of like coming from a business background, and um, even though my role, let's say, for example, in Cork Chamber and other organizations where event management, it really is um, very much like sitting down with businesses, understanding what they do. Because I understood the landscape of business in Cork and because I understood the environment for businesses of different sizes and shapes, so understanding the different requirements between a multinational and a startup is vital in my in my position in Cork Chamber. So then I quickly learned, I suppose, about business. So now I suppose when I help clients, it's not just okay, you know, we need a venue, we need this, we need that, all the usual stuff. But before that even can happen, I sit down and I ask the, the questions, which is what is the purpose of your event? Is this something you just inherited that you are now running and you're kind of like I need some help? But or is it something that you really want to try and start? And if it's an inaugural event then what is the purpose of it? What do you hope to gain? And you know, what does success look like to you? So I think we get down to the really core questions instead of just assuming that this is an event that's just you, you, you call me and say, we want to do a conference between people or we want to do a virtual event for this. And we go, okay, I can help you there rather than going, so who is it for? What is the client? Are there sponsors involved? Who are the stakeholders? What is the purpose of the event? And then help people. And that part hasn't changed. Then help people to design, plan, and execute the highest quality events, whether they're online or on site. So basically, it's getting down to the core of understanding what is the purpose of this event and what does success look like to you. Perfect. And yeah, something you know, I've I've worked in events myself uh, for a number of years and been handed events that are historic, and you just do them. Um, And having that real insight into you know why you actioning in this event and um, your goals is something that is, well, is very, very important. important. It is vitally important, Alex, because people do come and they're like, oh, we want to run this event and um, why are you running it? Because we run it every year. And what is the purpose of it? Oh, I think it's to talk to clients and has that changed over the years? Do you have certain clients now that you want to reach that are different from your existing clients? I mean, I suppose the business background that I have has helped me to really see the bigger picture. So it's not just the event, it's all about the brand reputation, the company reputation, so you do realize that if you're going to do this, this is vitally important for how your clients view you. 
So let's get it right from the very beginning. For example, some, sometimes I can get approached by somebody saying, okay, we have just moved to Cork and we want to do a launch event. You know, of course, this was a few months ago. And um, we want to do a launch event. And I would always, like, you know, probably to my own detriment, go, it's too early. You need to spend time getting to know the, the landscape in Cork and business. You need to spend time building and growing your network because there's absolutely no, you know, no point in having an event and spending a sizable chunk of your budget. And you don't know anybody and nobody's going to come to your event. So you need to actually build the foundations of your event before you run the event. The event for me is the final piece of the puzzle. Very true. And uh, yeah, I, I've been to Cork myself and, and it's, it's slightly different to, to Dublin in the fact that it is very networked and people do know each other and there is a lot more kind of uh, who you know and who he, who's going to come to your event. It's funny because I did work in Dublin for many years and when I, you know, basically in Dublin I just sat down with my job, did everything I was supposed to do and I did work for membership organisations in those days also. So I understood the value of personal relationships and, 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 and about customer service and, and, and member services. But when I moved to Cork I was, I was shocked because within like Two weeks, I'd say I had 20, 30 people emailing me going, oh, we must meet for coffee. I said, what is the obsession with Cork people and coffee? But they just really want to get to know you and they really want to sit in front of you. Um, and it, it is a massive part of networking here and it's a massive part of doing business here in Cork. So I think that that's one thing that I I'm actually kind of really got into it really quickly and now I love it. It's a great way to, um, to do business. And it, it definitely makes things a lot easier than when you want to reach out to that network for, for any support. Mm, definitely. It is, um, it is very Cork specific though in, in that respect it as is. well. So I guess if we move on to, um, you know, pre the current restrictions um, and, and, you know, you've organized some very large scale events. How do you kind of go about organizing events of this scale when, when you've got a stakeholder that comes to you that's, that's maybe, you know, say, for example, a, a large multinational that comes to you and says, oh, I want to run this seems like a quite a daunting challenge where do you where do you start it does yeah i thought we only had 20 minutes for this part this part <laughs> uh, no all jokes aside look i suppose ultimately it's like everything else you break it down into its component parts i mean generally speaking i would view myself and the company as an outsource resource for you so same as you would outsource your it or your payroll the event should also be seen as an outsource and when you say outsource, you then must look at your own resources. So, for example, if you have a large multinational coming to you going, right, you're going to run this event, it's for this reason, blah, blah, blah. They often come with resources of their own. So it's kind of like maybe, again, it's about that conversation at the outset, which is, okay, what is the purpose of the event? What resources do we have to hand? What stakeholders are involved in this? They're the really key questions. So once you, I suppose, understand the resources that the company has to hand you. I go, okay, well, I've got five people here now who are already going to be enabled, sitting on a committee or sitting on a subgroup, willing to help me. And it's really just a, then you break it down in that project management kind of module, really, where it's like, okay, these are the line items. These are the things we need to think about. So we need to think about venue, suppliers, speakers, sponsors. And we need to think about timings. We need to think about quality. We need to think about risk. We need to think about all of these things. So you break them all down with their component parts. You you assign them and you delegate as well as doing work yourself. You're like obviously that I'm part of this team, but I slot in like a member of the team going, okay, I will do all of these things. I will go and source another element of our businesses before we go and source sponsors for events. So I would go, I've got some relationships, you've got some relationships, let's put the two lists together of people that I think would be suitable. It would have actually been a nice join the dots here uh, for mm -hmm. this event and would have been make sense. 
um, and you break it down into its individual parts and you get through it but you always need to give yourself as much time as you can I mean you can't it cannot be kind of overstated how much you need to prepare for an event of that scale so I mean if you're rocking up to me a month before going listen with an event for a thousand people it would be like you know it, you know it that project management, you know, structure will be out the window and it'll be just like, right, all hands on deck right now. These are things we need to do immediately. And um, so, you know, and obviously, hopefully, you would hope that that wouldn't happen because, I mean, your own reputation goes in along with all of these events as well, not just the, the reputation of the client. I mean, my own reputation and the reputation of the company goes alongside of it. So it's like, I'm not going to put my name to something that is not, you know, that has been produced by us that's not going to be of the highest quality. We really do, you know, we take great pride in our events and how we're going up to the highest standard. Mm, fantastic answer. And, and you know, thank you for kind of breaking down that process as well. And I agree with you that leading time is, is so, so important and, you know, to really structure and, and put things together. So I guess that kind of moves us through to, to where we are, you know, for the last six months. So, how is broad strokes has has you know the current pandemic affected your business and how have you maybe adapted and pivoted to that challenge yeah well i mean clearly in, in the events industry it was devastating i mean the closure you know of, of obviously the venues not just pubs but like venues and hotels all of those resources and the actual just grinding to a halt of all events in ireland and um, it was devastating and I know that we weren't the only industry, but as the as country started to reopen between the phases that we had initially and now we have the roadmap with the different levels and all of that, you know, the event industry has definitely felt a little bit forgotten because clearly it's the one with the most congregations of people. And so yeah. therefore the riskiest one to even kind of approach in terms of like, how do we get back to that, even in the safest possible way. And then at the end of it, if you are doing everything in the safest possible way, is that an event you'd like to go and attend? Maybe not. So I suppose there's that element of it. But clearly it was devastating. Uh, like no more than everybody else, I think for the first for the first few weeks, I was like a deer in the headlights going, oh my God, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? This is awful. Waiting for the storm to pass. And clearly, and of course, as we know now, in hindsight, the storm didn't pass. It's still overhead. Um, but ultimately it came to, okay, now we really need to start thinking about things that we can do you know, beyond this, that work around this, work alongside this. And so that's where I suppose, you know, we did an awful lot of research into the virtual world, into online events and discovered that, you know what I mean? There was lots and lots of different platforms, lots and lots of different software options, but not necessarily lots and lots of high quality. And certainly mm -hmm. not the two were that never the twain shall meet. There was, there was really kind of low quality events, but there was some high quality software. But then there was an investment, obviously, for, for businesses in that software. And when they were probably, you know, running events for free and still trying to, you know what I mean, keep people and clients and that engaged, it just wasn't, you know what I mean, cost effective for them to do it. So between the jigs and the reels, we did a lot of kind of soul searching. We did an awful lot of research and ultimately came up with the five services that you now see on the website, which is event management consultancy, virtual events online moderation, physical and hybrid events, and event management webinars. So they're the five key elements of what we, I suppose, provide to companies now. So there's varying degrees within each of those. You might want to touch on all of them, or you might just want to touch on one. But I suppose the consultancy piece hasn't changed, except that now, instead of advising on, you know, venue, crowd control, management, what you need, all of those things we talked about earlier on your project management plan, 
you're really first of all getting through the 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 murky world of like well what platform you know what is your preferred platform what do you want to do who do you want to reach how many people and but the core piece is then the same which is that we still you know help to you know design plan and execute high quality events and i suppose then when you get to past the technology side the core event management piece is exactly the same and it's like you know speakers flow and then see you know what's going to happen with breaks in moderation, all of those things, and um, quality of presentations, all of those things. So, some of those core elements, core elements, uh, are still there, but um, you have to get down into, you have to get because a lot of clients will have real fear about the virtual world and real genuine fear about the technology involved. So it's mm. really a little a case of kind of reassuring them on you know what I mean. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. This is how it's going to work. These are, you know, in all the ways that we're going to manage it so that you don't need to worry about it. You can take care of your presentation. You can take care of your intro and we look after the rest. And we work with some trusted partner in that way. You know, we're not actually the ones holding the camera, but we are the ones behind the camera helping to produce these events for you. So I suppose the first thing to do is to install that peace of mind. And then the next thing to do is to actually do your job, which is to manage the event of the highest quality and make sure that it's promoted, sold, produced, directed, and I suppose disseminated then and distributed and, and helps the company do what they want to achieve which is the first question why are you doing this event and what's the purpose of it get back to the original question so we came up with those five key areas and the, that is we just launched our website there a couple of weeks ago and so we're basically just in the process of going out there and just letting the world know that this is what we do now and these are the new services that we provide Excellent. And, you know, a, a big adaptation on your, your side then, you know, to completely go away from the in-person and to embrace this new virtual world that we've all had to, had to embrace. So I guess, you know, where do you kind of see the next 12 months going? Do you see people coming back into a big room or, or do you see this kind of hybrid between the, the two in terms of some smaller events and then maybe some, some more people moving over to virtual? Um, it's just an interesting space at the moment and somewhere, as you've mentioned, with the, the regulations has kind of been left by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, Alex, it's, it's a funny one because when people ask, you know, do you see, is there an appetite? It's really hard to gauge, but I suppose my personal and professional opinion is I don't think we're going to see large groups of people in a room anytime soon. Certainly not within the next six months. Um, of course, things can change and, and very rapidly, but they can also stay the same as well. So I suppose what I would envisage, uh, just to answer all of the above questions, is I think it's going to be a mix of both of all of those things. I don't think we're going to see like conferences of 300 people happening anytime soon, but I do think there will be hybrid events. I do think there will be a mix of small niche events. Maybe take your conference and break it down into its component parts, break it up into modules and release one once a month like you do with your podcasts you know it doesn't i think people need to rethink and reimagine and reframe their events and that's what's going to happen um but i do think that the virtual world is definitely here to stay even if and when we go back to the normal world and um, i do think that um the virtual events will play a massive part going forward so the way we always looked at it was you know worst case scenario everything goes back to what what it was there's an extra string in our bow now, which is virtual events and online moderation. So uh, that's something that we can always provide to clients going forward. It's a very positive outlook. And you know, it's, it's refreshing to see that you've been able to just adapt and pivot into this, this new, new normal that everyone keeps mentioning. Um, <laughs> I knew and, hated words. I know. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's been very impressive. So I guess if we move now um, away from, from your events side of things, and maybe if we talk about... Um, 
the corporate printmaker side of side of your life. This is um, you're the interim chair of, of corporate printmaker. So can you can you tell us a how you got involved and b you know about that side of your life? Yeah, so I suppose I always had an interest in the arts and I always had an affection for the arts because actually in my earlier career, I worked for both the Sligo and the Galway Arts Festivals. Um, I had worked for the Saw Doctors Band, I'd worked for the Druid Theatre and I was in the Galway Arts theme for many years. So it was kind of, you know, the, the love of my life. And uh, then I went into kind of more of the corporate world and, and left what I thought was the arts world behind, certainly from a professional perspective. Um, however, I kind of got dragged back in there about five or six years ago by um, Kath Gorman, who was the then chair of Cork Printmakers and really needed a, a business mind, a commercial mind on a board that was made up of members and artists um, and various people, but nothing really on the commercial side. So they asked me to come on board, which I willingly did. Um, and I was on the board for three to four years and Kath had to step down because her tenure as chair was over and she asked me, would I, would I take over? And of course, I was delighted to be asked and I was proud to take over. It's a fantastic organisation with the studio here in Cork that are open again, by the way, with, you know, members working day by day, creating beautiful prints. And even for Culture Night, you may have noticed as well, the great Bronnie Green, with an amazing mural here, uh, just at the months with the right beside the Cork Printmakers building. So a fantastic organisation full of get up and go. Recent new director, um, Aideen Quirk has done great things. And even previous to her, Miguel Amado, a fantastic, uh, both of them creative brains who couldn't even hope to be up to their standard of the creativity. But I just want to be here to back them, I suppose, mitigate any risk for them, mitigate any, 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 any damage to the organisation, help them to come up with ways to commercialise, you know, as well as maximise membership for, 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 their, for their studio members. So it's been, it's, been a fun, it's been a fun time. Yeah, it's almost six years now. Yeah, I, I, I saw it. It's, um, again, a bit more more website kind of uh, browsing has, has taken me over to the the corporate makers website. Very, you know, lots of great projects that could come from there. And I guess, um, you know, how how critical do you think that this is to the artistic community in Cork, and and how beneficial is the the printmakers to that artistic community? Well, I think the printmaking in and of itself is quite a niche area in the arts but I suppose they you know they've worked quite hard and particularly the corporate makers and, and, and under, under the under the leadership of Miguel particularly he started the whole like look at you know corporate makers as a visual arts organization so that we want to be part of the visual arts community but it is again at the same time we're like the kind of maybe the black sheep of the visual arts community because um we're not visual arts, we're not, you know, it's, it's quite different. It is quite a skill and it's technical as well. So it's, it's creative, but at the same time, you need some knowledge behind you too. There's machinery involved and there's equipment involved and you can't just go, you know what I mean, just into a studio and figure out how to be a printmaker. Although they do amazing like courses and training and they've hopefully been able to go back to that soon. But I do think it's critical. I mean, and, and in terms of like, it underpins a lot of the cultural and artistic activity here in Cork. I mean, obviously, we, we, Crawford Art Gallery is the only national gallery here in the city, but there's amazing other galleries in Luxman, uh, the Triskel. There's amazing um, outfits out there, and even Nano Nagel Centre, even though they're kind of a cultural centre, they're very um, for, um, they're very supportive of the corporate printmakers and visual artists by having their own kind of shop there for visual artists. So I think there's a lot of goodwill in the arts community, as there often is, but there's limited resources in any place. Um, but I find that there's a really goodwill. And, but as a community, 
printmakers throughout Ireland and beyond, even Edinburgh printmakers and beyond, they do tend to kind of really collaborate well together. Um, and having a good director is vital, particularly here in the community, with community ties in terms of getting the mix between a membership organisation, trying to commercialise, but at the same time having, you know, long-reaching collaborations with organisations and with, you know, even in terms of curating works and curating shows. Um, there's so much more into it. I couldn't, I mean, I, at first when I started, I was like, oh, curating, yeah, that's just kind of coordinating like an event. It's not. It is actually really difficult in terms of like coming up with the concept, getting all of the groups together, really creating something. And I really have high respect for people in that space. But yeah, I think they hold their own, to be fair, and under the direction of Adrian Kirk, the new director. I think that Kirk is, is, is really going to go places. Very, very interesting. And, you know, to, to be able to, to split yourself between those, you know, your, your own business and then being the chair of the print mix, there's a, there's a lot on your plate there between the two. And then somehow you managed to also uh, study with Griffith um, part time as well. So I guess if we, you know, segue nicely into uh, a bit more about yourself and, and you studied with, with Griffith um, the, a business qualification, can you maybe tell us why you decided to, to study that qualification and, and how you found Griffith? Yeah, well, um, it's 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 a funny story. Edit at will here now, but um, it, it for me, I suppose, I had this was something that was very much on a personal level, was very much something that I really felt that was an unfinished piece of my life. You know, I mean, I you know, good success, you know, professionally. I didn't need any more qualifications, but I had this yearning to go and do my degree. I never had received a degree, although I'd gone in numerous courses and done numerous things. I really felt, I really want to educate myself more. I really want to be qualified, you know, and it was just, it might've been sound old fashioned, but I really, really wanted to just, you know, take myself up to that level. And it was something that was kind of playing in the back of my mind for several years and didn't even really know how to go about it and where would I go and what would I study? And anyway, as it turned out, and uh, that I was, I was up in Griffith College in Cork one day with Sinead O'Dea. And um, basically, we were looking at the venue, we were looking at the, at the church for an event. You know, we were going to have a networking event. So I was just having the chats with her. And I was kind of, I didn't even know anything about it. So I said, like, do I have, you know, do I have to have a degree to go for an honours degree? Or can I just go straight into the honours? And she was laughing. She was like, oh my God, you could teach the course, you know, because everybody seemed to think that I was just an expert on business. Um, well, I knew a lot, but I hadn't that formal underpinning of the education. Mm. So she really did help me with the process. It was kind of like, because I tried to probably kind of, you know, chicken out of it a few times, but oh, you know, I really just don't have the time. And because work, when you work in events, you're working evenings, you're working mornings, you're working, you could be working any time. I was like, I don't know if I can commit to like all this, but anyway. She very gently guided and yet at the same time firmly uh, <laughs> sent me in the direction then of Breach Daily. So that started the process in Cork and I just signed up. And to be fair, at the time, my employers were Cork Chamber and they were fantastically supportive. So I said, look, in as much as possible, uh, it won't affect my job. And um, But they were very supportive in, you know, of it. So for the first two years, it was uh, two nights a week uh, up to Griffith College and then the third year it was three nights a week and I graduated in November last year and much in all as I wouldn't say that I'm one for ceremony even though I'm an event manager personally I have to say I found the whole graduation ceremony massively emotional uh, it really was a big moment for me you know mm. I mean it really was the culmination of three years of 
working full time, more than full time, because it was like a, a massive job and you're working all hours at different times of the day and always doing more than you're supposed to, then studying as well and trying to get a new business at that stage and finally you're up off the ground as well as do my thesis, do all the study that I needed to do, you know, defend the thesis, do presentations, all of that. So it was actually, it was a fantastically rewarding time in my life and I must say I'm so glad I did it and never ever look back and regret on that. Well, it's a, a very, very impressive um, achievement. And you know, the fact that you managed to balance all those things is, is also very impressive as well. So I guess um, you mentioned there the, the kind of work-life balance and the fact that you were, you were working alongside your studies at the same time. How did you find that kind of transition between you know, work and then up the hill to, Cork, uh, to, to Griffith College Cork and then you know, into that academic mind frame? I know at the end of a day's work, there's not much time, you know, brain power left. So how did you manage that transition? I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of joking, but I actually, and sometimes I do look back and I'm like, well, on earth did I do that? You know, when you look back on things you've achieved going, where did I find the time for all of that? Not to mention all of the other things that you have to do in your life, the normal drudge, you know, run of the mill life stuff, you know. Um, but I suppose ultimately what it came down to was that I was just massively engaged with the program and with the course. Um, but it was also complementary to my job. It was complementary. It was filling a certain gap. And then there was certain areas that I would have been strong in um, or that I thought I knew a lot about. But it turned out, you know, I maybe wasn't as educated as I thought about. And then other areas that I didn't have any clue about. Um, uh, so it was, a, it was a great way. I think for me, it was the broad structure of the course as well. It was just like everything and anything thrown in, microeconomics, throw it all in. It was absolutely fantastic. But I think for me that one of the core pieces was my classmates. And I suppose, and I, I, and I'm, I have to give credit where credit is due. I genuinely feel that my time in Griffith, Griffith and spending time with that classroom of people was what really, what, was what really finally inspired me to open my own business. Um, they were younger, so I'm going to say they were younger and I was more mature. And basically what I was like, look at the get up and go in this room alone that everybody's gone out on cold, wet, freezing cold, dark nights to study two nights a week and do more, get together for group projects and do all of that. And basically, you know, make massive sacrifices in their lives. And for what? But at the end of the day, they knew and I knew that it was like, it was going to be so rewarding and it really, really was. But I would say that their get up and go and the fact that I suppose being around people of a different age group to me actually really opened my eyes and really opened my ears and my whole like, even when they were doing their business plans, it was like, oh my God, that's a great idea. You know, they were just full of energy and we, we all got on, got on fantastically. So it was no, in the end, it was no big struggle to go up there because there was always, there was always the bands, there was always the crack. We always enjoyed it. And, uh, but we all worked hard and we all actually passed it on ourselves. So it was fantastic. That is a fantastic achievement. And, um, yeah, you've, you've opened your business um, while studying. So how much of a prompt was there from, you mentioned the class and the fact that the people in, in the room were, were very much a prompt, but was there kind of more of a prompt on the, the side of, you know, oh, I'm doing this qualification, I can maybe roll a lot of these skills into opening my own business or, or how did that come about? Yeah, I suppose at the end of the day, like, you know, the whole, like, you know, the whole thing for me was like, I'd always dreamed about running my own business. Um, and when I moved to Cork in 2006, when I moved to Cork in 2006, the plan was, oh yeah, we'll work in Cork for about three or four years and then open one. And of course, three or four years after that, we were mid like global recession. So that wasn't a, that wasn't a goer. 
times are gone, we come out of recession, you get very comfortable then. You get very comfortable and cozy in your permanent job. But at the end of the day, this niggling thing wouldn't go away. No more than with the, with the qualification piece. It was another un, un, you know, an unfinished symphony, for want of a better word. And I was like, I really want to do it. But also, you know, there was that thing that I was saying about from earlier. It was just like all of the people that ring going, can I pick your brains for five minutes? I was going, well, what if I could turn that into a business? And actually, you know, commercialize this kind of pick your brains yes you can you mean because i now have a consultancy company that will help you with that so i suppose there was that and there was also like it was the only thing i wanted to do it was the only thing i wanted to do i didn't want to you know work in a marketing department i didn't want to be a pr guru i didn't want to be a social media influencer i wanted to be an event manager and the only way for me to do that and in a way that i was really happy with was to create a job for myself and the only way to create my own job is to start my own business. Yeah, and your testament to that, and you know, you've you've, you've obviously done fantastically well, and, and coupled with your academic achievements as well, is is you know a great success story so far. And, and you know, we wish you the best uh, in in the coming months, and hopefully, you know, with the virtual side of things, that that really kicks off as well. So, I guess that kind of leads us nicely to um, the last three questions, which I ask every guest. Um, they're quite generic questions in terms of, um, you know, maybe some advice to recent graduates and um, best piece of advice you've ever received. So we'll, we'll kick off with that one. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Yes, don't ever work for someone who's paying you out of their own pocket. <laughs> keep, it commer- keep it commercial and keep it all business. What I want to just, I suppose, clarify with regard to that answer is this is in the corporate world. Obviously, there's plenty of people that will go out and be selling B2C services. For us, we're a B2B organization, so it is about business-to-business transactions. So my advice is don't ever work for somebody who's paying you out of their own pocket, particularly when you're running a B2B company. Perfect. So if we move down to um, the advice that you'd give to a, a recent graduate entering the job market. Yeah, distinguish yourself as a person who takes the initiative and tries things without fear. Um, employers really respect that um, that piece of initiative, but also where you're just capable. I mean, all we really want is just like, be capable, prove yourself to be capable. You don't have to be stand out, but enough that you do something. Make my life easier, not harder. Perfect. And um, I guess the, the last one that uh, we, we ask every guest is, how would you describe Griffith College in three words? Uh, well, I don't know about Dublin, but in Cork, they're very welcoming. It's very professionally run. And they're very supportive. I find it, you know, there's a certain feeling in Griffith College and Cork where it feels like you're part of a family. And that support network definitely shines through. So I still wouldn't hesitate to reach out, reach back to somebody like Sinead or Reed or one of the lecturers. In fact, I'm linked in with several of the lecturers just to kind of go, what do you think of this? Or, and they're still out there, you know, on LinkedIn saying, well done, Lee, and giving me likes and all that. So they're really fantastically supportive, both the lecturing, obviously the, 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 lecturing, the lecturers in there, but also the fellow students as well. I would um, I'd definitely second that. And, and the fact that, <laughs> you know, we, it's something that we, we say internally as well, you know, is the, the Griffith family across all of the different campuses and, and you would get the same experience in Dublin and in Cork and Limerick. So, um, yeah, you know, it's a testament that you've, you've picked up on that and, and are able to, to share that as well. So, 
thank you so much for giving up your time, Lee. And I know we said it was going to be 20 minutes and it's kind of rolled on something uh, a bit longer. But thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us today. You're very welcome. Thanks a million for asking me and best of luck with all the rest of the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, that brings us to, to the end of this podcast. So thanks everyone for listening.